Welcome to Without the Footnotes, Not Your Typical Holocaust Lecture, with me, your host, Estherini. On this week's episode, I'll be taking a look at the definition of genocide. Hi friends, and welcome to the first ever episode of Without the Footnotes, Not Your Typical Holocaust Lecture. Um, I'm going to do that thing that I always tell people not to do, and firstly, apologise if I sound a little croaky, I think the change in the weather has um, has got to me. You know when everyone like turns their heating on for the first time and the weather, the temperature drops. So yeah, just woke up a little bit stuffy. But anyway, um, yeah, the first episode. I want to start by saying a massive, massive thank you to everybody who donated to my crowdfunder that I did back in June. Um, without you guys, I wouldn't have this whole setup that I have here to be able to um yeah start podcasting and I can't thank you enough because you really did believe in the project even though I had never done any kind of recording before so thank you to everybody who um yeah who gave what they could and and just believed in it um so yeah without the footnotes so this is my passion project. Um, as many of you know, well, I say many of you, I don't know who's listening to this, but <laughs> as many of my friends and family know, I have been studying um, the Holocaust and genocide um, for a long time now. Um, over a decade, I've been either at university or working in the field somehow or taking part on study tours. Um yeah, and I just decided after I finished my master's, which was a real labour of love, um, that I didn't want to go into academia anymore and that I wanted to do something maybe a bit more creative, a bit more innovative um, with Holocaust and genocide education. And I, like a lot of other people, have quite an obsession with podcasts. And I just thought that it would be a great idea to combine the two and do something a little different and reach people hopefully reach an audience that's um otherwise might not ever really come to the topic um because I know it's difficult like it's not the easiest topic in the world and you know not everybody wants to go to Auschwitz but you might have a real interest in the topic itself so I just thought why not be that person that tries to impart all the knowledge that I've learned over the years to people who have a real interest in, um, yeah, in more complex, difficult things. Now, in terms of the structure of the podcast, it's really important to me that this is an open dialogue and that this podcast actually builds a community of thinkers around this really um, difficult topic. So... I, for the most part, will be in conversation with an expert in the field over a particular issue. Um, and then occasionally it will just be me on my own taking a deeper dive into topics. Um, but what is really important to me is that you, the listeners, are as involved in what we're talking about. I don't want to preach to anybody. I see education as very much an open dialogue between two minds so I do encourage you to follow us on Instagram and on Facebook um, at without the footnotes and also um, I do have an email address 
um, for any for anything that you might want to write in about or um, maybe there's a topic that you think is interesting to cover or a news article that you've seen recently um, that email address is info at withoutthefootnotes.org um, I'll put it in the link as well for everybody um, but yeah it's important to me that we we kind of build a community community of thinkers around this these issues that we'll be talking about and that it's not just I'm not the oracle I'm not I'm not the ultimate expert on everything I also don't know everything so I'd love to hear from you as much as I'm hoping you'd love to hear what I and my guests will have to say so without any further ado let's just get on with the first episode because I feel like I've been rambling on for long enough um so as said in the introduction this week we're going to take a look at the definition of genocide Okay, so I had to go and get myself a cup of tea because my throat is fully in Croketown. Um, it is dry. Uh, so, yeah, if there's some awkward editing, it's probably because I've taken a sip of a drink and it's going to sound weird if you hear me swallow because this is not an ASMR video. Anyway, um, let's get to it. So, the definition of genocide. So, Genocide is a crime in international law and we do have a convention on it. So it's called the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of Genocide. Um, if you Google that, you can just Google Genocide Convention and it will come up um, probably on the UN website or as a PDF that you can just read over the convention yourself. Um, so just for a little bit of background, um, the convention was the work of not not only but of Raphael Lemkin who was a Polish Jewish lawyer who had actually had escaped the Holocaust where a large part of his family were murdered I think it was 49 in total um he'd previously been concerned that the perpetrators of mass killings of Armenians by the Ottoman Empire so at the beginning of the last century between 1914 and 17 um he was concerned that that had gone unpunished um, due to there being no law which the perpetrators could be tried at the time. Um, so the, so his work started before um, the Holocaust, but actually the Holocaust itself was a catalyst for um, bringing this convention into international law. So Raphael Lemkin was the person who actually developed the new concept of genocide um, and he described it as a modern crime where states were trying to destroy or cripple groups to such an extent that they could no longer continue or be recognisable as a whole group. Um, so after the Nuremberg trials in 1946, the United Nations called on member states to draft a convention on the prevention and punishment of genocide. And so that's what they did, and it came into force in 1951. And as I said, like the, the, the real catalyst for this was actually the Holocaust. Um, it is important to note that the convention itself doesn't protect all groups. Um, Lemkin himself was particularly concerned with the destruction of culture 
or cultural um, groups. And but, however, these were specifically left out of the convention, um, even though Lemkin understood that destruction of culture is absolutely detrimental to humanity. But other member states disagreed on this factor. Um, I, I, in my in my opinion, because the destruction of culture, you can understand that many nation states could be held accountable for that and therefore accused or um yeah therefore accused of genocidal policy or committing genocide against groups so cultural genocide has been left out of the convention itself also political groups which there is strong argument that political groups should should also be included in this um so we if we actually look at the convention itself and the legal definition so in article one itself it says that the contracting parties confirm that genocide whether committed in a time of peace or in a time of war is a crime under international law which they undertake to prevent and to punish so it's not just about um it's not just about punishing perpetrators after the fact everybody who has signed this convention also has an obligation to identify and to halt genocide before it occurs um so that's article one and then article two is the actual definition so um what um what this convention actually protects against so article two and this is a quote from the convention it says in the present convention genocide means any of the following acts committed with intent to destroy in whole or in part a national ethical ethnical racial or religious group as such um i think the wording is really interesting here because specifically with intent so this is what actually sets genocide apart from other crimes against humanity like um massacres um ethnic cleansing because it's an intent to destroy a specific group of people um and also you'll notice that um that not only is there intent but you but the destruction is in whole or in part um it whole or part of the group so genocide doesn't mean that you that you just kill everybody but but the destruction of part of the group is enough to constitute that crime um and then it's listed what um what acts actually um, constitute this so firstly we have killing members of the group I think that's probably the most obvious part of genocide that the majority of people will understand um, there's causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group um, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its personal destruction in whole or in part imposing measures intending to prevent births within the group and forcibly transferring children of the group to another group. So all of these things constitute as an intent to destroy a group in whole or in part as such. And then Article 3 goes on to explain what acts in particular are punishable under this convention. So we have genocide itself conspiracy to commit genocide direct and public incitement to commit genocide attempt to commit genocide 
and complicity in genocide. So even though, I mean, the convention itself isn't actually that dense in terms of um, definition and explaining and defining what genocide is, but the acts that it covers itself are incredibly complex and and complicated i think the most complex thing about the genocide convention is um being able to prove intent personally i think because in the west our understanding of the holocaust um our understanding of genocide is usually conflated to the holocaust so and that is a genocide that we can very much um in hindsight and through all the research and all the evidence and everything that has been presented or that we've had access to over the year, we can see what from the, from an initial standpoint looks like a very like clear cut kind of linear genocide. This happened and then the next stage happened and then the next stage. And we very much have this understanding of like systematic killing and gas chambers and camps. And I think it's, um most genocides are are not linear and there are different stages that occur at different times and actually being able to pinpoint the specifics according to this definition according to the legal definition has proved actually very very difficult post holocaust and um a lot of crimes against humanity that have been perpetrated that have been kind of advocated for as as genocide have been able to be argued against whether it's by the state or you know even even between academics um can't seem to fully fully decide on what constitutes a clear cut case of genocide um there has however been a lot of work done on um kind of breaking down the process of destruction and what constitutes genocide and how we can identify like different stages and by doing so um actually be able to recognize cases that do really constitute genocide so that states can work with the convention and therefore prevent and if need to if there is need to to punish perpetrators of genocide and one um website that i always look to is genocidewatch.com um so you can either go on their website and they do have an instagram also and it's at genocidewatch and gregory stanton who is a professor of genocide has identified 10 key stages of the crime so i'm just going to run through these stages um with you um, as I said earlier, so genocide as a crime is not linear. So these these different stages that I'm going to go through now um, don't occur one after the other. And it's easier to kind of get an understanding of the crime and how we're going to recognise it and how we will be able to prevent it if we can keep that in mind that at various stages of the perpetration of genocide, any of these these 10 things that I'm about to go through now can occur. So this information is taken from um, genocidewatch.com. So I just want to (laughs) put it out there, first of all, that I am quoting directly from the website. So 
please don't have me done for plagiarism. Um, but the first stage that is outlined is classification. So an us and them. Um, quote, all cultures have categories to distinguish people into us and them by ethnicity, race, religion or nationality. And one of the most important classifications in the current nation state system is citizenship in a nationality. So removal or or denial of a group citizenship is a legal way to deny the group's civil and human rights. So the classification of people. Symbolization, so we give names or other symbols to the classifications that we make. So probably the most obvious um, was during the Holocaust is when Jew Jewish people had to wear the Star of David and they had to have a yellow Star of David um, visible at all times. Um, the next stage is discrimination. So a dominant group uses law, custom and political power to deny the rights of other groups. Dehumanization. One group denies the humanity of another group. So this is this is really important, denying the humanity of a group. Um, I think de dehumanization is is quite key because that's how we get to um, get to an extermination phase when you when you view um when you view an other group as less than human, then extermination becomes more viable, more possible. So members are often equated with animals, vermin, insects or diseases. So something to be got rid of. Um, the next stage, organisation. So genocide is always organised, usually by the state, often using militias to provide deniability of state responsibility. Um, sometimes organization is informal so it could be mobs or militants or it can be decentralized so terrorist groups um next stage is polarization so extremists drive the groups apart hate groups broadcast pro polarizing propaganda and laws may forbid intermarriage or social interaction um and then the next stage is preparation so some kind of plan is going to be put into place whereby um, um, killing is going to be perpetrated against a certain group. Um, the next stage, persecution. So victims are identified and separated out because of their national, because of their national, ethnic, race, racial or religious identity. Um, the next stage, extermination. So the extermination begins and quickly becomes the mass killing legally called genocide. And it's extermination to to the the killers the perpetrators because they don't believe their victims are fully human so that key stage of dehumanization has already um been implemented and then the final stage and this happens during like throughout the perpetration of genocide and always after it is denial um so denial specifically but not not only because if you if you deny if you if you dig up mass graves if you cover up the crimes if you deny if you try to um uh ex explain it as an ethnic cleansing of an area instead of a perpetrated intentional violence against another group then um then you're able to kind of um what's the word i'm looking for then, then you you can't be accused of of the crime of genocide per se. 
although it may constitute a war crime or a crime against humanity, but specifically being um, prosecuted for the crime of genocide, if you deny and cover up, then it's really hard to identify. So if you're interested in a more in-depth um, look at each of those key stages, then I would highly recommend going onto the website and just having a little read through of each stage and kind of understanding it more because it does offer up um, more in information in, and especially in terms of um, giving examples of when these instances have occurred in different genocides like throughout history, specifically like I would say post post-Holocaust. Um, so yeah, so that's that's all the key information about the the legal definition of genocide and how um, and how we identify the different stages of the crime. And now I just want to move on um, because I do want to each each episode I do want to like point out why this is relevant to us today and it's not just like a concept or. Um, something that's happened historically that we don't really have to think about in our everyday. Um, not that I think that you should be thinking about genocide all day. I certainly don't. And I, you know, it's my, <laughs> it's my life's work. But um, no, I just want to, I just want to point out like what's in the news and, and why it's important to know about these things and be able to, to identify it. So um, I think, Probably, I mean, if you go on social media, there's been a lot of exposure. I mean, this year has been crazy, but there's a lot of um, kind of reporting and advocacy going around. And I've seen, I've seen the word genocide been been used um, increasingly, increasingly. Um, I just want to point out some specifics. So you may have seen in the news recently about a newly reignited conflict between Azerbaijan and Armenia and what's happening there is there is this disputed region that is recognized as part as as, um, as part of Azerbaijan but it's controlled by ethnic Armenians now the reason why I bring this up in particular is because Genocide Watch have actually is issued a a statement saying that it's a genocide emergency um, and this is due to um, denial of genocide against Armenians in the past, um, use of hate speech and targeting of civilians in the region. And Genocide Watch actually considers Azerbaijan to be at stage nine extermination and stage 10 denial of um, a genocidal process. So I would, I would suggest that, I mean, my call to action in this case would be to actually just follow Genocide Watch and keep an eye on what they are saying about the situation there. And if anything, just to show support for the, for the Armenian community, because the worst thing, I think the worst thing that can happen is, is that we just, we recognise that these things go on and then we don't actually do anything about it. And, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking anybody to kind of, do anything drastic but I think definitely raising awareness and and speaking about it with people and maybe just um keeping an eye on a situation and just seeing what develops and and you never know what can what can come of putting that post on Instagram or, or showing solidarity or you know if there's certain charities doing things to to combat 
the situation there to to help if you can in whatever way that you can so yeah that's my that's my little in the news and call to action for this week just so that we can see the relevancy of what I've been talking about to you today um so I think that's about it oh and I do I do actually want to do one more thing which is um give a little suggested reading for those people who you know maybe want to go a bit further maybe want to take a look at um books on the subject and the thing is there's there's so much information out there that's available um you're free to go and do um whatever research you like buy whatever books you like but one book that I found really helpful is actually by um the professor professor that supervised my undergraduate um dissertation and my master's thesis um very 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 smart man um, Philip Spencer so he's actually written a book on genocide since 1945 and I actually find it um, very informative um, it's not it's not hard to read it's not like dense in its language or anything like that um, it's about 100 pages so it's not even it's not even that long so if you were curious about you know buying a book on the topic then I would highly suggest genocide since 1945 by Philip Spencer and yeah that's probably it for today oh my gosh got through the first episode I hope you found it informative um as I said in the beginning like this is an open dialogue this certainly isn't where the conversation ends on this topic topic there will be a lot more to dive into over the course of um this first series of podcasts um, but I hope that at some way this has provided kind of like a springboard of of curiosity into the topic and, and that you have maybe more of a, you know, you'll be able to go down the pub and, and say, do you know what, I can tell you the definition of genocide and what that means as a legal concept. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> anyway, I really am just going to stop now. Um please subscribe and review this podcast because that is the thing that actually helps podcasts become more popular um, and to reach more people and yeah and we're all about building a community um please follow on social media at without the footnotes i'm on facebook and instagram at the moment and uh, the email address is info at withoutthefootnotes.org. If there's anything that you would like to discuss, I'd like to hear from you. Um, please don't send me any disturbing imagery. I really, 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 I avoid that. I've I've had my feel of seeing um, troubling content. So please, or at least put a trigger warning in the subject line so that I, I can know before I open it. And yeah, that's it. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. I'm probably off to have another cup of tea and watch some trash TV. So I'll see you next time. Choose love. Ciao.